Football.com and at DLF Family, a podcast. It's me, it's me, it's that old SFD roaming the streets of Superflex City, and this is the Superflex Super Show. Oh, I, you know how much I hate talking rookies, right? Uh, like, I mean, but you know, before the NFL draft, I just don't see the point. But then after the NFL draft, you, my super friends, you get done with your rookie drafts real quick and you're done talking about rookie. I'm finally ready. I'm fine. Finally ready to talk about the incoming rookie class and you're done with it. You've already done your rookie drafts. So, uh, I'm going to, um, I, I found some middle ground. Uh, I'm bringing back one of my favorite Debbie guys. I mean, not only one of my favorites, but honestly, just, just the guy wearing the belt right now um, in terms of Debbie analysis. Matt Hicks is back. Rookie big board. Um, now we're we're also co-workers at DynastyLeagueFootball.com, uh, which was not the case last year when we talked. So that's pretty cool, too. But uh, bringing Matt in so that we can start talking about 2024 rookies way too early and i'm good with that i'm i'm all about that so matt so awesome to have you back thanks for coming on man fired up man every time i get to to chat with you get on the super flex super show man it's always a good time uh and like you mentioned man you didn't even do this on purpose but a nice little devy transition here with dlf and uh you know, got a, got some nice uh, Devi content coming down the pike on the uh, YouTube side of things as well for DLF. So it's a nice, nice little transition into that. Yeah, that's perfect. I, I, I know that you had kind of changed your focus from 2023 to 2024, which makes it sound like maybe you're, uh, I mean, I, I like, I know that your protocol, it, you know, it has to be focus on the the incoming rookie class but um just like how quickly you turn the page as well uh makes me think that you know we might have a fairly similar approach to to rookies it, like i mean you can you can analyze you know landing spots you can analyze draft capital at the end of the day you know it's it is kind of time to start looking ahead and start planning and you know you mentioned this off air, in fact, that you're getting a ton of questions about 2024 first. What are they worth? You know, right now, that's that's kind of the hotness. It's like these players kind of are what they are at this point. But the, those future picks, that's the one that always just kind of that's that that becomes kind of the the, you know, the topic of the moment that becomes the hot button. So um, the fact that you just kind of you've already transitioned is is just kind of perfect. I think it's it's super useful to people. So I guess the first question when people are asking you about, uh, you know, the value of a 2024 first. And I mean, I'm sure that you're getting, you know, very specific questions in terms of like, what's the player you know, the player uh, equivalent to that pick or what's the 2023 first equivalent to that pick. Um, but do you have a way to to just kind of summarize, uh, you know, your kind of your thoughts on 2024 and what those picks should be worth a year out? Yeah, absolutely. And I should say, too, like when talking about 
when you make that shift from 23 to 24, right? Like when you start thinking about the next year's class, what I quickly found out when I started really kind of committing myself to doing rookie content is that if you're doing rookie content, you need to always be uh, at like simultaneously evaluating next year's class and the previous year's class, right? Because you always like that rookie value is always relative, right? It's always relative to what we just saw from recent production. Like everybody's comparing this year's wide receiver rookies with, you know, are they Chris Olave? Are they Garrett Wilson? Um, and now looking a year out, the question is, you know, what's Marvin Harrison? Is Marvin Harrison Jamar Chase? Is Marvin Harrison Garrett Wilson? Is he, you know, uh, Traylon Burks? Like, you know, you know, who is he relative? So, uh, you know, when you're looking at next year's picks, you know, instantly off the bat, it looks good, man. It looks strong. And, you know, probably half the people right now are sitting there and like, here we go again. Right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is the guy a year out telling me that next year's class looks strong. And part of that is, you know, reflective of value, man. This is when you get excited, right? Because in mm -hmm. summer, we get to flip on the tape. When I'm going through my summer scouting process, of course, I'm looking for flaws. But you're looking for strengths. You're looking for traits because it's a lot of projecting. And when we project forward, we look for upside. We look for stealing. We look for those traits we like. Then once we establish who is that legitimate NFL draft guy, that's when, you know, in once you get to November, December, January, February, that's when guys start getting picked apart. And that's when you'll see the value start dropping on it. So you know, right now it's a good time to invest in those draft picks because there is a lot of excitement. There's a lot of reason to get uh, hyped up for next year's class. And you're going to hear guys like me over the next couple months just talking up the upside in the traits. So by the time we get to September, those picks are going to be super valuable. Um, and that's before, you, you know, we even really start getting wins and losses on our fantasy rosters. When you kind of switched to the 2023 class after, you know, 2022 uh, became, you know, NFL players, they've, you know, they've all got, they've got laundry. And so now we're, we're kind of on to the next class. Um, you know, I, I, we were all excited about 2023. Uh, I wonder if it, like at any point throughout that process, did you kind of cool on 2023 or, or did you, you know, maintain the same level of excitement the entire way through. You know, it's it's really interesting. I try really hard in my analysis to keep a, a fairly even keeled approach, right? When analyzing prospects, because it's really easy in the content creation world, right? To get super high and then super low. And that keeps those clicks coming in. <laughs> um, and you know, it, it's not, I, I don't say this to, to put a plug in for, for, you know, what we're doing at the rookie big board, but you know, I found a couple of years back, like what I love about having a Patreon based, uh, set of resources is that I don't have to worry about clicks, right? I can yeah. just kind of put out steady reports, tape, uh, analysis, and kind of just, uh, analyze the value, just kind of watch peaks and trends go and react in that way. Instead of necessarily saying like, boom, I'm super high on everybody in this class. And then when it works in December, I'm super low on everybody in the class. Um, and then so I always just try to kind of give an analysis of what I was feeling. And what, what, what was great about 2023 is that we had Bijan Robinson, right? Like we had that crown jewel. And 
that was different than 2022. Like we didn't have that, that single guy pre-draft, right? Obviously Garrett Wilson worked out very well. Chris Olave was my wide receiver one that worked out well. Brees Hall, Kenneth Walker, like these guys popped for sure, but it wasn't that like elite level hype that we had with Bijan this year that we had with Trevor Lawrence the year before. Right. Um, and then the other advantage that 23 always had to 22 was the quarterbacks, right? You know, definitely we, I mean, we ended up fighting between four quarterbacks, right? Three, three quarterbacks up to five quarterbacks, depending on who you're talking to. Um, but you know, there was easily three guys that, that have more value now than Kenny Pickett had this time last year. Right. And so that's kind of where 23 always had the advantage on 22, but, you know, as we start to look at 24, there's, I think, more superstar level potential and there's superstar level potential at the quarterback position, which we know is always going to drive the hype of the class. Right. So yeah. that's kind of, you know, if, if we're talking relative, it, it feels like a steady incline, like we're moving up the excitement level class in and class out. And then probably we're going to have to hit a peak after 24. Yeah. We, I remember you and I talking last year, uh, and it was a little bit before the rookie draft, but we were still, we were, you know, we were kind of looking at that, that class of quarterbacks. They didn't even have landing spots. They didn't have draft capital yet. And it was still just like, eh, this is a pretty meh class. And then when they all, other than Kenny Pickett, they all get drafted in like the third round and beyond. It's like, so the NFL agreed with us on that, but you got me really excited for this year's this year's quarterback class and you know it it, and I mean kind of to a point where it became a little bit of a strategy for me to you know to if, if you were in a rebuild in uh in you know going into 2022 you weren't going to be able to pull yourself out of that with right. this rookie class. Right. You know, yeah. and and you know, the, the kind of the bottom line for Superflex is if you don't have quarterback figured out, you're rebuilding. Yes. And yep. the second you get quarterback figured out, you're done rebuilding. Right. You know, so yes. But it, there wasn't anything for us in 2022 to fix this. So it it really kind of became a strategy for me to to, you know, go ahead and guide some teams to the bottom if if I'm rebuilding, like, let's just lean into it. Let's just, you know, and, and get those high draft picks in 2023 and, and let's freaking fix quarterback and be done. Yeah. Is the same opportunity going to be there in 2024? To 2024, you know, it's, oh man, it's such an exciting class. I keep, you know, I keep checking myself because I'm that guy that's just so excited. Right. <laughs> but you know, I, I just went in and, and I'm in the process right now. So the 2024 uh, rookie big board hasn't dropped yet, um, but I'm prepping it. Right. And so I'm building it. It should be good by Memorial Day. So maybe by the time you're listening to this. But I, I mentioned that to say as I'm going position group by position group, it's usually not the quarterbacks that get me the most excited. Like I love I love watching quarterbacks. That's fun film evaluation. But when you're thinking, man, like fresh class, brand new film, you're looking for the running backs. You're looking for the wide receivers, right? Like those are juicy guys to talk about. But as I was building out this, this quarterback list, right? It's exciting. And it's exciting because there's different, there's different tiers and I, I can see different guys popping out from them, right? So, you know, you're looking at the top Caleb Williams, reigning Heisman trophy winner, dual threat guy, 
He's got a wicked arm. He has great mobility, you know, uh, and then you're looking at Drake May, right? Drake May, poised pocket passer, 6'5", 220. He's got that size. He can command the offense. And so you're looking at the potential. By the way, Drake May was a Heisman candidate all the way up until like the last two weeks of the season when, when Caleb ran away with it. So now we're looking at these two guys who, when I'm thinking of a one-two type value, you know, I think we could be seeing a, you know, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields type situation, you know, playing out with these two guys. Now, of course, they have to continue to develop. They have to have good seasons. But, you know, the way that Caleb Williams has that game-breaking trait set, I think you're going to see hype similar to Trevor Lawrence on the high end and probably Joe Burrow on the low end, right? It's a pretty good <laughs> range to be playing within. And then Drake May, man, I, I think he's he's going to have a hard time catching Caleb as quarterback one. But that's why I mentioned Justin Fields, because Justin Fields was just always really good as a prospect and always just right there under Trevor Lawrence. Never quite got into the same conversation, right? But was always just kind of there. And even now, even, you know, he struggled for two years and he's still going off the board like QB eight in the first round of dynasty startups, like every single one I've done. So you have those two guys carrying the top of the class. Then you have Quinn Ewers as the best QB three going into a season, man, like literally a perfect recruiting score, five star, perfect recruiting score. The dude can is just an absolute gunslinger throwing it around. When he was healthy last year, he looked like a top 10 draft pick easily. He still got a lot of rawness in his game. He still got to hone in those mechanics. But we could be talking about those three guys easily as top 10 selections next year. And then you get into a tier of guys like J.J. McCarthy, Joe Milton, K.J. Jefferson, um, and, you know Carson Beck, Kyle McCord. Uh, guys who legitimately could be starters in huge programs and in kind of build hype into first round picks. And uh, I'll take a, I'll take a pause there, but you know, I could actually go and I'm not exaggerating here. I went 16 quarterbacks deep of guys that I need to watch this summer because I think they have legitimate opportunity to be a day two pick at least. Right. And we know those guys in super flex leagues are going to carry a ton of value. Wow. Yeah. I mean, let's kind of start at the top of that list um, because here's the thing. Like, there's a lot of hype already for Caleb Williams. Yeah, I'm going to do yeah. something that I fully acknowledge is totally unfair to you because you're missing a ton of information right now. It's hard. It's really hard to speculate on something like this. But if I were to ask you, you know, just let, hypothetically, let's say Caleb Williams had been available in this 2023 draft class. Where does he slot in with Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, Anthony Richardson? And, and you know, to take that a step further, like, let's take away that hypothetical. And let's say, you know, you've got to wait a year. How, how much better is he than, you know, whatever players you're going to rank him ahead of that it's worth that year long wait yeah if you if you are out on 2023 right you're you're looking to 2024 already anthony richardson my qb1 in the 2023 class would have a lower uh a lower prospect score i call rbbr a lower rookie big board rating than caleb williams right now and that's hmm. caleb williams's introductory you know initial grade 
for my rookie score. So, you know, we still got to put in the tape. We got to go through all of that process. But, you know, if I'm looking at Anthony Richardson versus Caleb Williams right now, I know that I'm not competing in 2023. I'm taking Caleb Williams. Now, there's always a little bit of risk, right? Whenever you're playing a year out, there's a risk. in whenever you're playing with the quarterback position and Devi, there's more of a risk. But that's going to be worth it for me to have a home run type swing in Caleb Williams. You know, if Caleb Williams was in this year's draft class, I think he's the first overall selection in the draft. You know, I, I would question whether the Bears would trade out of that pick. Um, you know, he has a lot of hype surrounding him and for really good reason. Remember, Caleb Williams as a true freshman was the guy that knocked Spencer Rattler off the Debbie seat. And Spencer Rattler was a top three consensus Debbie guy right across the board. And, you know, he was really the next big thing in, in college football in the NFL draft. And, and Spencer Rattler is probably still going to be a late day two selection. I really believe that because he has great tools. And Caleb Williams, as a true freshman, came in and knocked off Rattler. And then what did he do? He transferred and won the Heisman the next year. It, it's absolutely ridiculous. And he has size to back up that dual threat mobility, which isn't always the case. Uh, you know, Lincoln Riley has produced multiple NFL caliber college quarterbacks already. You know, Jalen Hurts had one year with Lincoln Riley, of course, Kyler Murray. Right. So uh, there's a there's a nice pedigree and track record there with that coaching development as well. So, you know, Caleb Williams, man, he's going to check every box you need to check at this point in time. He So he deleted Spencer Rattler. Then yeah. he and then he deleted Keaton Slovis essentially. Like we need to get him in the NFL just so he can leave some of our favorite quarterbacks alone a little. Like let the, just let them bask in the glow for a minute before you just completely wipe them out. Well, listen, man, like I'm looking ahead to next year's draft order. Like, you know, if by Vegas odds, Arizona's the first two picks next year because they had Houston's pick, right? So I don't know, man. Is Kyler on the chopping block next? Oh man, that's going to keep coming for Oklahoma quarterbacks. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that is interesting. Um, let's let's skip ahead to, to. Well, actually, you know what? I want to stay on Caleb Williams for just a minute because, again, the hype is already there. Kind of yeah. like we had with Bijan Robinson. You know, it's it's already to a point where if you are considering a strategy where you're just going to guide it to the bottom, you're really kind of doing it for Caleb Williams. Yeah. Like that's, that's the way it seems. Uh, Is he going to be the type of, is it like a positional advantage that he's going to give you similar to Bijan? Rephrase that for me. Um, Is he, is he for, for 2024 purposes is Caleb Williams, Bijan Robinson. Yeah, Just, I think so. And yeah. and and here's the thing too, you know, for me Bijan was early the the 101, right? Yeah. And he's a running back. And you know, obviously I'm talking to a good audience here, but you know, my formula, my scale prioritizes the quarterback position, right? It boosts the quarterback position because we know there's so much value. So no, you know, uh, Bijan Robinson, you know, basically finished with the same score, like literally 0.1 behind Trevor Lawrence. Like that was amazing. But at the yeah. end of the day, still, you know, 
everything in the rookie big board discord folks who had the 101 that were rebuilding kept asking me like should i take a running back should i take a running back right so now i mentioned that to say with kayla williams you get that same level of value, but now he's a quarterback, right? So mm -hmm. there's even more conviction behind making that pick. There's even more roster bonus uh, benefit behind making that pick. And, and you get to rebuild in a way that I think is structurally sound, right? Which is what you said in a super flex league through the quarterbacks. And then for me, through the wide receivers first, right? And mm -hmm. then maybe you tack a running back on at the end when it's time. Um, but so Caleb Williams gives me the opportunity to not only get a really fantastic pick, but I get to build a roster in, in what I feel is the right way. Yeah. And, and, you know, kind of what I mean by positional advantage is, you know, with Bijan Robinson, a big part of it. I mean, it was, it was him. It was all him all the way through, but he also, uh, his value anyways, benefited a little bit from the fact that, you know, running back two was seemed it was it, it felt like a pretty big drop off. Jamar yeah. Jameer Gibbs obviously gets the draft capital that everyone loves. I don't like the landing spot that much, but uh, you know they, they're obviously going to use him. That's why they use the top twelve pick on him. So, um, so that kind of tightened the gap a little bit, and it felt a little bit like. You know, it's it's less important to stand pat at 101 and take Bijan Robinson because you can move back a little bit, get a quarterback, and then you're you know you still have options to move up for Jameer Gibbs, and that kind of became for a lot of people not not necessarily for me. I don't know how you feel, but for for a lot of people, it felt like Jameer Gibbs is you know close enough that it's worth making that move and kind of and passing on Bijan Robinson who we've been drooling over for several years now <laughs> like all of a sudden it was like yeah yeah we can we can replace that and and I wonder if Caleb Williams is going to be is going to be the same thing uh, you know is it is it just kind of a slam dunk that you uh you get to 101 and you just stay there you don't you know you're not trying to take advantage of the value or anything like that you're just saying um you know this uh, this is this is the pick here um you know and and you're not worried about or or i guess from there is drake may going to be good enough and close enough as a prospect to where you can kind of where you can move back and feel like you're still going to get a very quality quarterback. Yeah. Yeah. I think Drake may is going to be in the conversation. Yeah. I don't, you know, I think Caleb will, will ultimately end up being the QB one in the class, but I think may is going to get, uh, is going to get hype as being the first quarterback selected in the NFL draft. I think depending on landing spot, he's in the same tier, right? And mm -hmm. so whenever you're in the same tier, there's going to be a little bit of subjectivity behind the landing spot, what the development looks like, what the path to production looks like. Right. And so I do think there's going to be opportunity where, you know, you could be sitting there with the one one and you could be looking down board at, at Drake May and saying, man, I don't I don't mind pivoting down, getting uh, an extra second round pick or getting an extra future first. Right and still being within the range of being able to select Drake May. And, you know, 
those are the two guys that are there right now. I think what's important, you know, and I want to emphasize here, I think Quinn Ewers can get there. I really do think okay. Ewers could be in that same conversation. And then, you know, I mentioned, you know, what I'm excited about is, is watching, you know, 15 plus guys this summer because we're not even talking about who the Anthony Richardson is next year, right? You know, mm -hmm. Anthony Richardson was not in that Bryce Young, CJ Stroud conversation at all going into. So could there be a, a different mystery third quarterback that gets into that? that top tier, you know, I could see this year's class of quarterbacks, you know, kind of in, in terms of that bunching at the top. Right. So I mentioned Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, but remember we're not that far removed from, um, from the Tua Herbert uh, Burrow year, right. Where those guys were pretty bunched up. Um, and so mm -hmm. we could be maybe even looking at more of that situation. So I think either way, right. We're looking at a, a pretty good class. Like we're not looking at a Kyler class or, or a Kenny Pickett class, which is, Man, really exciting to think about. Is this more 2021 or more 2020 to you? You know, essentially meaning, is it is it you know a little bit deeper with you know you've got the you've got the the diamond on the top of the hill with Caleb Williams, um, Trevor Lawrence, uh, but you know really some pretty good depth at the quarterback position to a point where we ended up with you know five dynasty viable guys from that first round um it, it, at least immediately after the rookie draft we're not gonna we won't talk <laughs> about zach wilson <laughs> oh um, boy <laughs> but and then you know 2020 ends up just being very top heavy um yeah you know three three just you know absolute studs and then that's you know that's that's really kind of it for the class and like you said they're bu all bunched at the very top yeah, well, you know, we've been given a lot of love for the top. So thinking about the depth of what this class could be, right? Um, because remember, it's it's totally viable in some years that we get four or five first-round quarterbacks, right? We've seen that in the past. J.J. McCarthy out of Michigan, 6'3", 197, man. He's a dual-threat guy. Michigan didn't ask him to throw the ball a ton, but I really liked him when he was asked to perform last year consensus is not in on JJ yet. So I'm really excited to do his summer, his full summer scouting evaluation to see if I'm going to double down on that hype train. You, you keep moving down, right? Joe Milton out of Tennessee, six, five, two forty two. All right. Everything that uh, Hendon hooker did last year, you know, Joe Milton has the chance to show off the same thing. The dude has a stupid rocket arm. And I say stupid because he overthrows the ball more often than he hits his guys. And so he's got major accuracy issues. But Joe Millen was a was a high-profile recruit. He was a priority target for Josh Heupel to get to Tennessee. Heupel actually recruited Joe Milton as a transfer before Hendon Hooker, and, and Milton ended up losing out the job. But Milton now has experience, a lot of tools, and he's going to be playing in the offense that made a lot of people look really good in Tennessee. Kyle McCord, Carson Beck. It looks like these guys are going to be – you know, Kyle McCord at Ohio State, Carson Beck at Georgia. They're going to be the guys managing the offense of, of teams that are likely going to be in the college football playoff. We know what that means for NFL draft and NFL evaluations, right? So those are two guys that could be looking good. Let's move down board, man. My guy, Jaden Daniels at LSU. I've been waiting a while, all right, to do some, to come back to Jaden Daniels. He's going to have legitimate Heisman hype because he has a great touchdown interception ratio. He's a dual threat guy. And LSU is probably the best team in the SEC West this year. So they're going to have a legitimate shot at the college football playoff. That's going to lead to a lot of hype from Jaden Daniels. 
You got a guy like Sam Hartman who had stupid good numbers at Wake Forest. Now he's transferring to Notre Dame, which is a pro-style offense. So he's going to get to really show himself off there. Bo Nix, former five-star, went off for Oregon last year. He's already getting day two draft type, right? And I haven't even talked about guys like Cam Ward, Grayson McCall, Shadur Sanders, Michael Penix, right? Uh, we talked about uh, Spencer Rattler earlier. Remember him? Like, he's got day two potential still. And I really like Tyler Van Dyke out of Miami still, man. So if we're talking about depth, obviously all those guys aren't going to hit. Some of those guys are going to reclassify to 2025. But what are we looking for right now? We got to be looking for potential, right? And the potential is that we could see a really deep class, man, where, you know, we could get four or five guys going in the top 50 picks. And then, you know, I think what makes a lot of drafts special is, you know, who are the guys that go round three, round four, end up being valuable and end up being hits, right? Like where are the Russell Wilsons? Where are the Dak Prescotts? And when you have so much value and talent at the top of the draft, Sometimes guys go round three and round four when they, you know, in other years could go round two. We talk a lot here on the Super Show about kind of the saturation point at quarterback. We were there just a handful of years ago. It was to a point where Cam Newton, you know, still, it, it, you know, towards the end of his prime, but still in his prime. I mean, he just kind of had to wait until the new England new England Patriots offered him this contract because there was just nowhere else for him to go. It was this, this was the only job available. The last couple of years have been very different. You know, it's, it's been, there's, there's not a whole lot of stability at the quarterback position for us. Um, And, you know, keep, we keep talking about, we just need this position to get restocked. This is going to really kind of drive values in a lot of different directions too, you know, we're going to get back to the point where you're seeing wide receivers and running backs taken in the first round of startups. That's not happening right now because it feels like there are, you know, less than 12 young quarterbacks worth, you know, who can, who can be foundational for you. Yeah. It sounds a little bit like 2024 has the potential to, to restock us and kind of get us, back into that position where uh you know you you can feel like you've got some some good young quarterbacks available kind of throughout the startup right i mean through 10 rounds at least it's it's never going to be a you know the last pick of your of your draft is going to be a long-term starter at quarterback that's never going to happen but uh you know back to the days where you basically had 10 rounds to get your quarterbacks but there were enough of them that you could do that. That's yeah. plenty of runway. It sounds like we have a chance to get back to that point with 2024. And I kind of wonder if there's even going to be, you know, it, it, part of the beauty of this is there probably, there won't be enough jobs available for all these guys. Right. Right. So, so well, Oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, you know, I, I'm looking at my projections here, right? And I'm I'm looking and, you know, reading from, from quarterback 20 down in my seasonal projections, like Jimmy Garoppolo, right? Veteran replaceable next year, short-term Very. contract. Matthew yep. Stafford, I mean, I hate to say it, but man, Stafford on his way out, right? Like Geno yep. Smith, new contract, still technically replaceable. You know, um, you know, Kenny Pickett, CJ Stroud, they'll be good to go. Sam Howell, we'll see right? We'll see with Sam Howell, but you could easily see Washington going quarterback next year mm-hmm. if Howell doesn't work out. 
Uh, Jordan Love. I mean, Jordan Love's the the starting One quarterback in Green Bay. If you need no other example to prove the point you just made, Jordan Love is the starting quarterback for the Green Bay Packers, right? Yeah. And then who have I spent all offseason buying cheap but still buying is Desmond Ritter, right? We're in trouble, man. Like I'm buying yeah. Desmond Ritter and and it's and it makes <laughs> sense. And then you have like Ryan Tannehill, you know, you could easily uh, see Tennessee, you know, taking one look at Will Levis and, and saying they need to draft another quarterback. Baker Mayfield is the quarterback, I think, technically starting for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, and so I'm just reading the bottom of my projections, man. And I got six or seven potential opportunities already. Um, and it's not like free agency is going to fill these voids. Right. And so. You know, I, I always, you know, I, I think I've said it a couple of times, but I want to be careful of sitting here and telling you that seven guys are going to come out of next year's class and, and fill the voids that we're looking for. But, you know, we got a shot, man. Like we got a shot to get three or four more good guys in. And I really hope so, because, you know, my my uh, strategy in super in super flag startup drafts, I want to leave the first three rounds of a startup with two quarterbacks. And I can't do that this year, man. Like, you yeah. and, if you're picking outside the first eight picks, you really can't do that. And it's uh, it's hard. It's hard to roster build with the way that the quarterback position is set up right now. Right. Yeah, it, it does. It, it makes it really tough. And and it's kind of to a point where people are strategizing a little bit. I just talked to uh, Tommy Blair about this last week. Now, he takes his, his strategy like this is beyond – extreme i mean we talked about you know i've got the quarterback extreme the qbx strategy Her, his is qb triple x like he's <laughs> he's trying to get all you know the top five quarterbacks in Superflex and essentially turn the rest of the league into kind of like a one quarterback league essentially mm-hmm. yeah yeah um but there there are a lot of strategies out there about that right now it, there's a lot of feeling of man like get up there and get two elite guys and then you're just kind of you're you're set you're good to go and you know i just kind of i miss the days when we all felt like you know what i'm fine with the guys that i'm going to get in the 6th round i'm i'm fine with the guys i'm going to get in the 8th round you know the 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 equivalent of jimmy garoppolo <laughs> but right, like right. you know with a, with a, a, a you know kind of turned up to full blast in terms of talent and and you know long term job security as well, but you know it, th- those days are uh, right now. It's kind of a distant memory. But like I said, it, it, you're 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 getting me excited for 2024 just for the just for the potential here that we finally just completely restock that quarterback position, and we can go back to drafting like normal people. Uh, I kind of want so running back is is very similar uh, in that regard. I feel like um, you know it's it's very top heavy right now, and in fact, I mean, even the guys at the top aren't haven't been particularly trustworthy to a lot of people. Right. I've been getting I'm getting Jonathan Taylor way too cheap yeah. in dynasty leagues. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's only 23 years old. He only has one full season of usage. Like it's, it was it, good. It was a good season. And it was a great season. It was running back one overall. Yeah. Like yeah. I, I, you know, bringing in a, a run first quarterback definitely hurts a little bit, but I mean, you really just like, 
Or are, are we really just done with Jonathan Taylor already? It's, but it, it, you, know it's, what, you know what rookie quarterbacks love, man? They love to hand the ball off to running backs. You yep. know what I mean? Like, <laughs> check down. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's definitely true. So, yeah, maybe he's, maybe he's okay. Um, and, you know, Bijan Robinson already is kind of at the top of the, uh, uh, the top of the position for a lot of people. Hasn't even taken a snap yet. He's going to be great. You know, don't get me wrong. Um, but you know, a, a kind of a big function of the running back position right now is the fact that it's, like I said, it's very top heavy. It feels hard to trust. It feels, you know, pretty volatile. Um, you know, some of the best guys in the league are going into year, you know, six, seven, in some cases, like these guys are, these guys are beyond their career expectancy already. Um, so there's, there's, again, this is a position that needs to be restocked. So to shift our focus to the running back group, how is 2024 going to look uh, in those terms? We thought 2023 yeah. was going to be strong for the running back depth. And now we're hoping for <laughs> that we get in 2024 what we were looking for in 2023. You know, looking at 2024, you know, there's a couple guys at the top for me that would fall you know, in terms of their initial rating, they fall kind of where we landed with uh, Brees Hall, Kenneth Walker, right? Okay. So I think that's where the top of the class is right now. And those two guys for me are Braylon Allen out of Wisconsin and Travion Henderson out of Ohio State. And they're going to bring different things to the field, right? So if you're looking at Braylon Allen, 6'2", 238, you know, if we're just talking about Jonathan Taylor, man, I mean, we're kind of talking about a similar mold in terms of a traditional Wisconsin running back powerful smashes in between the tackles uh thousand uh back-to-back thousand plus yard production as a true freshman and true sophomore this year wisconsin is switching their offense to an air raid system which is a huge shift i still think they're going to prioritize the run though and so you're going to get to see braylon allen now run in a in an offense that might better reflect what what we'll see in you know some some nfl offenses and it'll show versatility so i think braylon allen has a shot of being you know, in that pick 20 to 50 overall range. Then you got Travion Henderson, who had ridiculous production as a true freshman at Ohio State. I think it was like 1,200 plus yards, double digit touchdowns, suffers a pretty gnarly injury and is just never really right last year. So Henderson, explosive, uh, dynamic type guy, a good vision. And so if he hits, then we could have two guys easily in that 20 to 50 range. And then you have three other guys who I like, in uh, Will Shipley at a Clemson 5'11", 200, kind of your um, your your dual threat projecting, right? So he's got that great pass catching ability, uh, has been really productive, really has been the backbone bone of the Clemson offense that has really struggled the last couple of years. Uh, Raheem Rocket Sanders, man, uh, 6'2", 225 out of Arkansas, so another power guy. Um, and then the other guy that I really like that I would put in this conversation is Donovan Edwards out of uh, Michigan, 60202. Uh, another great pass catcher, super explosive, very athletic, former five star guy. Um, and so those are for me like the top two tiers. And those guys could bring pretty strong value. Like, like we could be talking about those five guys as the top, uh, let's say like 15 picks in a, in a super flex rookie draft, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so it could be pretty strong. 
I, you know, nobody though is, is in that Bijan tier, right? I don't expect any of these guys to go top 10. You know, I think we could be looking at in terms of draft capital, more that like Najee Harris here, right? Where even, you know, if there's a guy that's clearly the best in the class, he's probably still going in the twenties, but that's not a bad draft capital bucket at all for the running back position. Totally. Yeah. We would take that. How many of these guys do you think, um, you know, kind of, so I, I have spent kind of a lot of time saying, and this is, this is my personal feeling and I'm, I'm curious how you feel as well, but to me, running backs, it's less about the draft capital. Um, we love to get to dra- the draft capital, uh, you know, is kind of confirmation bias a little bit, but like what we're really looking for is, is a landing spot where, you know, the talent fits, there's an opportunity, there's a depth chart that can be climbed and, mm-hmm you know, these, you know, this player has the ability to consolidate a, a, you know, a backfield, even if it's a little bit crowded, Um, you know, and, and that's why I say, you know, is as good as the draft capital was for Jameer Gibbs. My issue is more with the landing spot itself. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the fact that David Montgomery is going to be involved, you know, your all your passing is until at least until Jamison Williams gets back. All of your passing is kind of, you know, close to the line of scrimmage. It's it's ARSB and it's Sam Laporta. You know, you're kind of you're you're kind of working the the you know the shorter range stuff. You're not really taking the top off. Um, and I, that's supposed to be Jameer Gibbs workspace, you know. So the to me, the landing spot ends up being far more compelling than the draft capital. And so I wonder how many of these guys do you feel like, you know, in, in a, a good enough landing spot, these guys are talented enough to consolidate a backfield. Yeah. I think we're, you know, we're really talking about all of those guys. Um, you know, I think Donovan Edwards is an interesting one between him and Shipley. They've both been used as uh, not pure um, workhorse backs, you know, for lack of a better word. Um, you know, Donovan Edwards though, is splitting with Blake Corum, who is also a, a legitimate day two draft prospect going into next year's draft. Right. So, um, you know, I would say of these, of the top five guys, I mentioned at least three to four of them have that ability. And then you start to dig into like that next tier down of guys who are all very noteworthy and all have the chance to rise up into the position that you're talking about. Right. So, you know, I think a great, you know, Put, put into, you know, actual value what you're talking about, right? So, you know, like a Tank Bigsby, right? Like, I like Tank. I liked his evaluation coming out. He doesn't get the juicy landing spot we want, right? But most guys don't. Like, that's just the right. NFL. Most running backs don't. There's only so many B. John Robinson spots, right? So who can be that Tank Bigsby where if the, if the running back one goes down, you trust their talent enough and you know they're a clear number two on their depth chart, right? So when you start to think about who those guys could be, you know, Trey Benson out of Florida State, 6'1", 221, getting a lot of hype. Jace McClellan out of Alabama, 5'11", 220. We'll see if he can hold his reps with the freshman Justice Haynes, who's getting a lot of hype coming out. Kendall Milton out of Georgia. He's been around a while, but 6'1", 220. He's going to have legitimate hype in that Tank Bigsby range. Um, And so those are just some guys off the bat, right? That kind of I mentioned Blake Corum, but Blake Corum's in that conversation. Devin Neal out of Kansas, 5'11, 208. So we're looking at, at this, um, you know, th- this core of, of guys in the middle here where 
depending on how they shake out film wise and, and how they go through this next season, you know, could for me land in a similar spot to Tank Bigsby, where you know you're maybe using a mid to late second round pick on them. They're not a locked in production right away, right? But you have a chance of really hitting on those guys. And it's rough, man, but sometimes, like you said, that's where you have to find the value with the running back position right now. Mm-hmm. Yep. How how would you comp this class? Or what what previous class would you comp the running backs to? Yeah, that's a really interesting question. You know, it, it is reminding me of, um, what would that be, 2022 in the sense of like, you know, for me, Allen and Henderson are like two guys at the top that are, I mentioned are in a similar context of Brees Hall and Kenneth Walker, mm-hmm. um, you know, where I think they, they can plug in and project as good starters, um, but probably don't have that high, high end ceiling that you would want to see. Um, you know, even if you were comparing to Jameer Gibbs and, uh, you know, it's not even going as high as, um, you know, as high as Bijan, but even if you were looking at Jameer Gibbs or trying to look at like a Travis Etienne, Najee Harris, like I would still put the the combination of, of Etienne Harris and of course Javante Williams was in that class. So I would put that class above them too. So I, you know, proceeding with some caution here um, in terms of the, the ceiling of the running backs right now. But like I mentioned, like there's a shot for some really good depth there. Nice. Um, let's, let's just move to wide receivers. I'm, I'm taking up way too much of your time. We're, we're, um, I'm, I'm keeping us on each position a little too long and I still have some, some stuff I want to get to. Uh, so let's just move on to wide receivers real quick. Every, you know, uh, we're already looking at Marvin Harrison as being, you know, in a, in a class with a good group of wide receivers. And it sounds like, at least a couple running backs who are going to be near the top. We're still looking at Marvin Harrison potentially being a top five pick in super flex rookie drafts at this point. Do you feel like that's warranted? Yeah, man. I mean, Marvin Harrison, you know, I really think he's going to push Jamar chase type value when it comes to rookie draft season. And so, Hmm. um, you know, for me, you know, it wouldn't shock me if he, if he ends up with a rookie ADP of like one Oh three, even, uh, uh-huh. By the time things shake out. And I think part of that, right, is we have correctly, I think, adjusted in terms of respecting the value of a rookie wide receiver, right? Like there was a point in time where CeeDee Lamb was like the 109, 110 because we were scared of how quickly a rookie wide receiver could produce. So I think folks have gotten more comfortable with that. And that's encouraged the, the rookie wide receiver value to get pushed up. But right now, man, like Marvin Harrison has the exact same introductory value as Drake May on the 24 rookie big board. And like I mentioned, I boost up the quarterbacks. So on paper, Marvin Harrison Jr. is a better NFL prospect right now than Drake May in, you know, in the system, in the process. We got a lot of time to play out, folks. So, you know, don't right. lock in that take yet. But, you know, you're looking at what Harrison brings, man. 6'3", 202. He brings size. He brings athleticism. He brings uh, contested catch ability. He brings great hands. And by the way, he is just going to continue to ball out in the Ohio State offense, right? So, again, if we're talking about checking the boxes, man, of course the NFL does care about family lineage and pedigree in that way. He is going to be a top 10 NFL draft pick unless we see a major shift in his production or his value or injury or or something along those lines, right? So it's a pretty... 
uh, it's a pretty stable value, which is not a term we can often use, right, when talking a year out from a draft class. That could be some of his best work, too. You know, this this final season, not having C.J. Stroud, you know. Yeah. Uh, you, you, you learn a new quarterback. And not only that, C.J. Stroud is a machine in terms of the accuracy and the ability to throw people open. It's... I <laughs> this it, it might be I I hope that people are able to uh keep it in perspective a little bit if we do see the production dip it can still be you know the the quality of the production can still be elite uh yes. it's it's just a lot to ask sometimes to you know to change quarterbacks this late in your in your you know college career um start over with a new quarterback especially someone who you know was was particularly friendly to the wide receiver city that he played with yeah and like let's not forget he's sharing a wide receiver room with amika Ibuka, who could easily mm-hmm. be the second wide receiver taken in the nfl draft right so you know you're looking at two very talented wide receivers and you're right there will be a change in quarterback and i know we think of ohio state as like next guy up plug him into the system, get it done, right? But we don't know what we're getting in Kyle McCord yet. And going through spring, we weren't even totally sure it was going to be Kyle McCord. There's still opportunity that it's Devin Brown. So, you know, the old the old adage is if you have two quarterbacks, you have zero quarterbacks. So <laughs> it'll be interesting to see how things shake out there in that offense. But it's important, like you said, to keep in mind, we already have the production checkbox hit. So as long as the tape holds, then we don't necessarily need 1,200 yards. We could get 700 yards, and if the tape is still good, then the tape is still good. Yeah, definitely. So, uh, yeah, who is who is wide receiver two for you right now? It is Amika Ibuka right now. So that's his teammate, okay. 6'1", 6'1", and, uh, you know, former five-star in his own right. Actually, Amika Ibuka was a higher recruit than Marvin Harrison Jr., you know, if, if you care about that five-star rating. Um, super athletic, great hands. I, it sounds like I'm describing the same guy, but but good long speed, good athleticism. Uh, and so we are going to be looking at a situation where we're going to have to be careful to evaluate these guys separately to try to pull them out of the scheme the best we can, look at their individual traits. Um, and not to overthink them too much, right? Like we got so into the Garrett Wilson, Chris Alave discussion because we couldn't fathom the idea that two great wide receivers could come from the same system. So hopefully we've gotten past that. Hopefully we prove that, right? Uh, because Amika Ibuka, you know, has really, really high upside. Uh, and he's a super fun player. But not far behind him, man, is Xavier Worthy out of Texas, 6'1", 160. He's a slight frame. He's a Ooh. smaller guy. But if we're talking about explosive wide receivers, super explosive uh, great field stretcher, and he's going to have the shot to really show that off and show off that route running ability as well uh, with Quinn Ewers this year. So uh, for me, it's uh, Igbuka is the consensus wide receiver too, and he is there, but uh, Xavier Worthy isn't too far behind for me. Um, and so it sounds like these guys are all probably first round ish. Like they might not necessarily fit in our first rounds, but they're going to be they're probably going to at, at least live in a tier that kind of straddles the first and second round. Um, is there anybody else at the wide receiver position that, that 
kind of fits that same uh fits into that same tier that same range yeah the two other guys that i'll mention that have the best shot to to hit into that that range or you know even push worthy for that wide receiver three at this point or troy franklin for me out of oregon 6'2", 170, really nice production in the Oregon offense last year. Speedy guy, good hand, so I'm excited. He's somebody who, you know, I got good flashes on from Live Watch, but really getting into his summer scouting tape, that's going to be a really fun evaluation for me to do. And then Malik Neighbors uh, out of LSU, uh, you know, 6'1", 188. Malik Neighbors was everything last year that everybody wanted Kayshawn Boutte to be. He was athletic. He was the wide receiver one in that offense. You know, he was uh, a really impressive uh, in terms of his handwork, solid route running ability. And Neighbors is going to be even more featured in the offense this year. He's going to have even higher production because, you know, LSU had to had to hone Jaden Daniels into the pocket a little bit in the first half of last year. And so the wide receiver numbers weren't great, but they definitely improved late season. And we saw some clear chemistry there with Daniels and Neighbors. And so uh, I think he's going to have the ability potentially to jump into that range, too. You'll probably see in your Debbie drafts, Malik Neighbors will go just as high as Xavier Worthy and probably in front of Troy Franklin. So there's definitely a lot of hype building with him. So this class is sounding a little bit to me like 2023 Uh, in terms of, you know, not not terrible depth, not the greatest depth, but, um, you know, still good quality players into into the second round and. Um, and, and, you know, still a little bit top heavy, you know, JSN, um, for me, Jordan Addison, and again, based on the landing spot, that's what we want for wide receivers. Give me a good situation. Um, well, I take that back draft capital, yeah. give me draft capital. That's, but, uh, you know, you kind of split hairs a little bit when you talk about, uh, you know, with the, with the landing spot. So, um, to me, you know, you had four guys get get the draft capital. So now let's talk about landing spot. Let's talk about talent. Jordan Addison to me just kind of rises above, you know, QJ and and uh, Zay Flowers. So, um, yeah. but like to a point where to me you had kind of an elite tier of of rookies here. You had the three quarterbacks. You had the two running backs. And there were two wide receivers, JSN and Jordan Addison. It it's kind of looking like at least, you know, again, we're a year out, but it looks like this might shape up to be kind of the same. Is that is that kind of the comp that you're thinking? You know, it, it's so hard as to like where to draw that line, right? Because this year we know what it is now. It's 107, right? Past right. 107, it's a sharp drop off. But you know, as I'm kind of looking at it um right now. You know, we're getting at least through six, seven, eight. Um, you know, so I, I'd say, yeah, the line is similar to 107 right now, but there's upside to push that a little bit further down into 108, 109. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that right now, you know, if we're doing a one-to-one, I think there's there's a, a lot more upside with the 2024 class. And there's the opportunity for there to be more, more what's the word i'm looking for like more concentration at the top of that right mm. whereas we got seven picks but we kind of knew right it was always Bijan in his own tier and then you know depending on how you want to break it down a tier of three or four other guys in you know the quarterbacks plus jameer gibbs and then you had a, a sub tier clearly of, of addison 
uh, in JSN, right? Where I think like this year, it, it might be a little bit more of like, you know, Caleb Williams and Marvin Harrison Jr. and Drake May, you know, fighting for those top three spots. And then, you know, where do we go from there? Where does Quinn Ewers fit in? Where does J.J. McCarthy fit in? And then, you know, okay, now do I pick Amika Igbuka or do I pick Braylon Allen? And so I think there's going to be a little bit more of, of that battling from like 104 to 108. Um, whereas, you know, we kind of had really solidly defined tiers and maybe that comes through post-draft, but I, I feel like that was kind of the, the character of the 2023 class all the way through, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely does. Um, I let's, let's hit tight end real quick. Yeah. Uh, I'm, so it sounds like this is a, you know, this is my, um, you know, this is my outsider perspective at this point. Uh, I don't do nearly as much work on it as you do. Um, I listen to the rookie big board. So, awesome. <laughs> so I, I, I've, I've got a head start on a lot of people. Uh, everybody take notes. But uh, so it sounds like we've got, you know, not quite Kyle Pitts, but we've got a, a similar type of, of prospect who's going to be at the top of this tight end class in Brock Bowers. Um, but we're probably missing the depth that we had here in 2023. Um, is that, is that, you know, a pretty accurate statement and is, and is there anybody else that you feel like needs to be mentioned, uh, in the same conversation? Yeah. Brock Bowers is the dude, right? Six, four, two great athlete, great pass catcher, uh, not an athlete in the way that Kyle Pitts is an athlete, right? Like Kyle Pitts, we had a legitimate, is he a wide receiver or is he a tight end argument? Brock Bowers is a tight end, like, but he's a mm -hmm. dude, right? Like, so, you know, we, we could uh, really be looking at like a Travis Kelsey, George Kittle type, you know, really physical, uh, but great pass catcher as well. Um, and, you know, when we're talking about where that cutoff line is, you know, Brock Bowers is definitely in the cutoff line. Like he's going to have a ton of value uh, and he's going to carry that because as you alluded to, the drop off is going to be steep from the <laughs> tight end position, right? Now, the guy that, that's worth knowing about and the guy that has a chance to, you know, be that in a tier two by himself is uh, uh, Jatavion Sanders out of Texas, 6'4", 249, very athletic, had a really strong red zone presence for Texas last year, a really good production relative to the offense uh, in nice hands. So Jatavion Sanders has the opportunity to still be like an early to mid second round selection in rookie drafts, uh, non tight end premium rookie drafts next year, which is a good value for a tight end. Right. Um, uh, so, you know, I think probably, you know, if you were going to compare this class, we'd be comparing it to 2022 in the sense of, you know, if you take Brock Bowers out, it's like having one Trey McBride and then a, there's going to be, you know, guys that we like for different reasons, but then just add Brock Bowers onto it. So it's like 2022 plus a stud tight end at the top. Nice. I kind of like that. Uh, I, yeah, I mean, we're, we're kind of shooting our load here in, in uh, 2023 in terms of the depth, like all of the guys who would have really enhanced that position, they're, they're out this year. So, right. um, but yeah, I mean, again, you know, Brock Bowers, it sounds to me like could end up not only in the first round, but very possibly towards the top. And like you said, you know, a big part of it is positional scarcity, especially for this rookie class. So, 
that things like that really just kind of drive the value of a rookie class. You know, oh, when yeah. you've got that uh, Bijan Robinson is a prime example of this. He was, you know, it, it was, it was a, a, you know, at least a full tier, uh, probably more between him and Gibbs, you know, pre-draft. So, you know, just the fact that you've got one opportunity here, you've got one guy who fixes that position for you, that just kind of enhances that value just because of the scarcity, right? So, uh, sounds like Brock Bowers could make his way towards the top half of the first round, even. Yeah, and, it, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So I, I just to kind of round this all off, I'm kind of curious. Uh, you know what your what your if if you were to project the first round right now, kind of what does it look like? Whether it's you know a mix of players or or you know the the positional mix, or if you just want to go straight with the names that's that we'll, we'll take that as well. Yeah. So a first round super flex rookie mock draft, right? So if we were like doing one off the cuff here, you know, Caleb Williams, one Oh one, if, if, you know, we're probably putting Drake may there at one Oh two, uh, Marvin Harrison jr. For me, one Oh three right now. Um, you know, it depends on how things shake out. I'm going to go Quinn Ewers. Let's put Quinn Ewers there at 104 because I do believe in that upside, that development. Um, now we're going to fight Amika Ibuka, Braylon Allen. Let's go Ibuka. He's technically introduced as higher. So we're prioritizing wide receivers and quarterbacks here. Um, and then we could double tap running back. So maybe, uh, oh, I don't want to skip Bowers though. Ooh. <laughs> uh, let's go Braylon Allen, 106. Let's get the running back in there. And then we'll go Brock Bowers, 107. That might nice. be controversial. People would probably put Brock Bowers as high as 105, but we'll, we won't make it too complicated here. <laughs> uh, back on track, Travion Henderson, 108. We'll do Xavier Worthy, 109. Raheem Sanders, 110. Oh, man, who's going to get the snub? I'm going to put uh, – <laughs> I'm going to sneak J.J. McCarthy in there at 111 because I believe in that upside. And then let's get Donovan Edwards in there at 112. We'll, we'll lean all the way into the upside there with Donovan Edwards. So, you know, we're pulling, what, four quarterbacks, um, three wide receivers, one tight end, and uh, three – four running backs into that four, mix. Yep. Four running backs. Will Shipley gets the snub. And listen, that's the that's answer to the question. <laughs> they haven't, they haven't caught up yet. Like the consensus hasn't caught up on Will Shipley. So I, you know, I always try to balance my thoughts with what I think consensus is a little bit. So I but like hey, if we want to let Will Shipley fall next year. It sounds like it's, I'm going to be pretty cool with that. Yeah. I mean, in, in, you know, you still have Troy Fra Franklin, you still have Malik neighbors. Yep. Um, Oh I, yeah, neighbors. I'll probably get some hate mail for leaving neighbors out of <laughs> We've got a new wide receiver U. It's in Ohio, by the way. Uh yeah, LSU lost a little bit of the Yeah, of neighbors the ain't gonna get back by himself. Uh. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So but I mean, you know, 2023 ends up being the the same thing. You know, I, I've been talking about for me that top seven. That's kind of the elite tier. And then you've got a tier that basically takes you from 108 until the end of the second round. Like, yeah, it's there's, wild. That, there's that many guys. And and that's kind of what this is looking like. And it 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 it's a little bit of a reminder, you know, not to ignore second round picks. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. 
you know, there's there's kind of that there's there's the psychology behind it. You see a you know one twelve, you see two oh one, and you assume there's this massive massive difference because one's first round, one second round. But the reality is, in most classes, you're getting the exact same player. <laughs> you know, it, 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 like yeah. in terms of quality, in terms of value. I mean, you're talking about guys that had second round ADPs like Justin Jefferson, T Higgins. You know, there, there's a countless examples of guys that that slip to the second round that are difference makers right now on your roster, right? So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's really critical. And you know, if you follow me on Twitter, you know I got the running bit. Like once a month, I tweet out like today's a great day to trade for second round picks because they're always less valuable. People will throw them into trades like they're worthless. Yeah. Um, and. You know, oftentimes on a rebuild, I end up with more second round picks than I do first round picks. And that becomes really valuable for not only drafting, but then, you know, you can get them for cheap now. But then once you get to the draft themselves, everybody wants those second round picks, right? Because Mm -hmm. then they get in there, they take who they want in the first, and then they never like who's there in the third and fourth. So they're willing to overpay to get those second round picks back. And then you could turn those guys into profitable veterans, so there's a lot you could do with second round picks. There, I think there really are a cheat code in fantasy football. Yeah, it's it, it was so easy to manipulate that value, and it's and it's hard to do that with first round picks. So that's, uh, you know that that it kind of creates arbitrage between the two rounds essentially. So so now we've got the first round kind of mapped out. You can probably you you know you could probably tier it. Um, I would imagine. And I, my guess is, you know, one, one oh one, one oh two tier, probably one oh three, one oh four tier. Anyways, we could go through that. Um, and, but, you know, just, just kind of looking at it and, you know, being able to, to kind of project that at least to some extent. And, you know, we'll, we'll bake in the fact that, we don't know for sure how this is going to go. We have a, you know, this is, this feels pretty reasonable, pretty doable for us to get there with this first round and intact, but we don't know that for a fact. So anyways, at what point in the 2023 rookie draft, let's say you still have one of those, you've got a, a later pick and you tell me which pick it is where you're just like, you know what? I, I, you know, I don't feel like this, you know, the players available at this point are foundational. Um, you know, they're, they're good. They're not great. I would much rather have a shot at, you know, some of these guys in the, the first round in 2024. So you trade out, you know, your 2023 first for, you know, 2024 first plus a little bit of something. What's that point for you? What's what pick is that in 2023? Yeah, I mean, I think the clear drop off in 2023 is the uh, is the 10 uh, 108, right? So mm-hmm. the first seven picks for me are still strong. I still really like, you know, I call it my mini tier of Jordan Addison and Jackson Smith and Jigba. I still really like those guys. You know, they come in with an 8 RBBR. That's going to be, you know, if we were comparing that to where the guys are, you know, in the 2024 class, that's about 106, 107. So that's holding. Um, and so, you know, for me, you know, you can pivot off of 107 for the hopes of getting into the top seven picks next year. Or I'm sorry, you could pivot off of the 108 in the hopes of getting into the top seven picks next year. 
And if you are comfortable with that, you don't need that immediate impact piece. I think it's a pretty strong strategy to have because if you sit there and like you said, you pick at 108, you're going to lean into some risk anyways, right? You're leaning into, you know, do you want to roll the dice on, on risky tape with Quentin Johnston? Do you want to roll the dice on, on fighting scheme with Zay Flowers, right? Do you want to roll the dice on prioritizing tight end with Michael Mayer, Dalton Kincaid? So it's all, it's all a risk. So, you know, one of those options you can make that would be a very justified choice is I'm going to lean into the risk of, of going for a higher draft pick in 2024. Yeah. So last question from me. Um, and then I can, uh, Oh, get you out of here. Uh, you've given us just a ton to work with here. Um, so one last kind of value type of thing, uh, you know, and, and first acknowledging that this really kind of starts with, uh, you know, what is your team makeup? What are your team goals? Like I said, there's, there's, you know, we kind of ended up with that 2022 class was so bad in terms of quarterback in particular, that it really just kind of became a strategy. It became a thing that, Hey, we're just, you know what? I'm just, I'll just wait till next year then. And yeah. I'm just gonna, I'm going to guide this to the bottom again, because uh, you know, there's, there's, like I said earlier, you're, you're not able to fix quarterback with this rookie class. So let's wait till next year. And now that's kind of just become a little bit of a strategy. So, uh, you know, acknowledging of course that, you know, you're, you're probably, we're probably talking about a team that's closer to being a rebuild than a contender, I would assume. Um, but if you're in that position and, you know, where you're kind of looking more to 2024, um, than, you know, necessarily trying to compete and contend in 2023, who are some veteran players who you would trade straight up for a 2024 first? Mm. That's a good question. So guys that you're looking to move off your roster that that you're comfortable with. And then you feel like, is it like, you know, that it's a trade offer that might actually get accepted. Right. Right. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I would say, you know, the first guys I'd be looking to sell are the running backs. Right. So you're probably not going to get anything for like the Josh Jacobs, Nick Chubb, Aaron Jones of the world. I think if you could flip those guys for a first, you know, I would definitely be about it. Um, one week into the season, you know, two weeks into the season, you could probably flip Tony Pollard and Ramondre Stevenson, right? Because those are guys. Um, you know, I am. Let's see. Wide receivers is probably where you're going to have a little bit more luck. Like, okay, here's a great example. If you could flip Amon Ross St. Brown for multiple first, you know, one okay. first probably not going to get it done. But I think Amon Ross St. Brown has a ton of value right now. I think we can realistically project that value to drop off over the next year or so. So I would take a 2024 first. If you can move Tyree Kill for a 2024 first, maybe plus a second, I think that's the type of guy you could move. You could give that same argument for somebody like Stefan Diggs. You could move, um, I'm fine with moving even Devontae Adams uh, for multiple, you know, probably looking at at least a 24, one plus two. Um, again, these are, you know, if you're, if you're looking ahead and saying like, I am not going to compete, you know, those are the types of guys, like you could trade some high end guys. Absolutely. Uh, you know, you want to make sure you get good value back, but you know, one first round, uh, plus a second, multiple twos, depending on how high we're going, if you're going for a guy like Adams or, or Tyreek Hill. And, 
you know, what I'm telling everybody right now is if you're, if you're feeling out the trade market and it's not quite where you want it to be, I think folks still right now in, in June or in May, whatever month it is, uh, <laughs> have, have in their head that rookie picks are valuable. Like, mm-hmm. and we forget every year, dude, like three weeks into the season, nobody cares about their rookie picks anymore. Right. Cause they want to yeah. win, win, win. <laughs> they think they have the championship team week three and they want more weapons. So if you're not seeing that value now, just be patient. Like it can pay off to trade these guys a couple weeks into the season. And at that point too, you might feel a little bit more confident that it's a rebuild roster. <laughs> so uh, let's flip that around then and say, you know, someone, someone who's shrewd like you, when it comes to those future picks, you've got the future pick now and you're looking to buy some players, whether it's, you know, I, I, you, you could, you could expedite a rebuild. Um, by doing this, you could go younger players. Um, I think that you can get some young foundational, at least wide receivers, most likely with, with some, uh, with a future 2024 first, um, possibly, you know, and, and, and certainly if you're going to try and contend, I mean, you gave some great, some great names for a contender to, you know, go get Stefan Diggs, go get Tyreek Hill. And, you know, you're, you're, Ideally, you make that 2024 pick a late one and you end up winning that value, you know, pretty massively, especially if you get a championship, you know, uh, but let's let, let let's let's look at it a little bit more from a, like the the perspective of like of, of a long term build, maybe even a rebuild. Um, you've got the 2024 first probably looking at, at maybe middle uh it, you know maybe you sneak into the playoffs with like the 6 seed something like that you're not going to be horrible because if you were you're not trading that pick for anything you know right right the fact that you have control over that pick makes it even more valuable uh but you know you're not horrible uh but you do want to expedite the the rebuild a little bit here who are some names? What are some names that you that you would trade away your twenty twenty four first round to, to get? Yeah, that's a good that's a good question. Uh, you know, it's funny like you're describing the roster, and I can't help but think about uh, the goats first pros roster. <laughs> um, <because laughs> yeah. It's like, man, that, that roster is just perennially, perennially contending. Like, and I just can't get it to not be contending. <laughs> <laughs> I swear, I try to break the thing down every year, and they, they just it, it doesn't. Uh, nobody will will trade in a conducive way for that to happen. So I keep picking <laughs> up more veterans. Uh, so I, I, uh, I think I lost track of the question there, but I was just thinking about the <laughs> roster in that way. That um, one's uh, that one. Like it, it's also weird because it was a, it was a 16 team league and now we're dropping all the way down to 12 teams. Like there's some right. really interesting dynamics in that league. Uh, but I'm thinking about the guys that are valuable for me. Like I have Nick Chubb and I think Nick Chubb is still, you know, a top eight guy in my projections. Right. And so, you know, if I'm pushing in and I I need that piece, you know, I do think Chubb's probably still got two, two, three good years. You know, Um, you know, I I think a guy, you know, I I traded with you. It's a little bit different of a context, but I traded for a guy like DK Metcalf. You know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. Metcalf right now, he's a wide receiver. 
I like building from the wide receivers uh, whenever I'm building out, you know, a long-term build for a roster, right? So, uh, you know, adding DK as he's kind of down a little bit with, um, you know, with with the Geno Smith uh, and then the Jackson Smith and Jigba edition. So like DK is a guy that I've been targeting a lot. I think Devonta Smith is still kind of falling under the radar. Uh, so as I'm kind of talking through my answer out loud here, I would say that wide receiver two range, there's some really good value in there. Like that's where you're going to get a guy like T Higgins as well. Um, you know, I'm willing to still add on like a guy like Michael Pittman. Uh, I'm willing to lean into DJ Moore at a cheaper value because I'm not sure about the volume, but you know, that wide receiver two range is probably where I'd be leaning into it. Um, but if I'm giving up a 2024 first, you know, I want to feel pretty good about that wide receiver two that I'm adding. That makes me think it, it, it's a, this is a really interesting hypothetical. Um, that makes me think you could probably get Jackson Smith and Ajigba and, and, or Jordan Addison for 2024 first, um, you yeah. know, for, for one first, which, you know, that, that, that kind of tracks as far as, um, you know, where you were saying, you know, I would trade 108 on the clock. Right. It, these players kind of devalue. It's like a car driving off the lot. Like once they, once they're <laughs> picked, like they lose that yeah. little bit of value. I, it, 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 that might be possible to, to, to get that trade done as well. Um, and, and if you're thinking about it, right? Like if, if you are sitting here and, you know, you picked up 107 this year, you ended up with Jackson Smith and Jigba, you're fine with it, but you don't love it. The benefit that you have of flipping that pick or flipping JSN for a future first round pick is that first round pick can't bust, right? Yeah. <laughs> JSN, you know, whether it's his fault or not, he might not produce a lot as a rookie. And so his value could drop significantly. We could be looking at him the way that we're looking at Traylon Burks right now. A year from now, obviously the value could sway a little bit, you know, if the team that you get it from ends up being the league winner and it's the 112, but that the value of that future pick is a lot more insulated than it is of JSN. Yeah, exactly, man. We always, we end up getting to just like a ton of strategy. Like the goal is just to, Hey, let's introduce the world to the 2024 rookie class, you know, particularly the first round. But you and I, like, it just, it like, we just can't help it. We just have this, <laughs> like, strategic aura, both of us. Like, and this is this is totally the type of player that you are uh, as well. Like, very strategic. Um, it's not just, it's not just, you know, the, the film evaluation. Uh, there's a lot of thought that goes into everything that you do. And it makes for such useful content and such, uh, such important strategy. So, uh, with that, I mean, we can, let's wrap it up for the week, but man, I really appreciate it, Matt. And it's always just so fun to talk strategy with you and, uh, to get your thoughts on those future picks as well. Yeah, man, I, I love it. And, you know, for me, it, it really is about the process, right? It's about mm -hmm. understanding the value of rookie picks. It's about understanding where the ebbs and flows of the class are, you know, the scouting part is important because it helps you put that value point on it. But, you know, I'm, I'm not, I don't enjoy putting out the type of content that's just one through 12 rankings, obviously the rankings, the big board, it's the whole thing, but you know, it's really about understanding what that means. And so that's why these conversations are so, 
you know, energizing for me to have. And I, and I hope for the listeners that it's, it's beneficial because, you know, where I find that you can really manipulate and win your dynasty leagues is through this rookie process. And that comes through understanding the value, where the value pops up, when to take advantage of the value and, and kind of how to finesse it, right. Where others in your league might just be showing up, drafting, moving on. There's so much more to the process and that's how you get value. It's not just about boom, nailing that one pick in your draft every year. So it's always fun, dude. It's always energizing. And, you know, I appreciate that we get to talk strategy and not just kind of rattle off, you know, production (laughs) numbers about some of the top guys. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. That's the type that's, that's what you're going to get on the rookie big board as well, though. There's, there's strategy talk. There's a, it's, it's a very thoughtful podcast. Uh, in a well, it, it's a whole network of podcasts, and um, but yeah, tons of tons of useful information. Um, you know, thoughtful podcasts, uh, thoughtful content from a very thoughtful fantasy analyst. Um, one of my one of my dear friends in this space, Matt Hicks. Thank you for coming on, my brother. And uh, yeah, we I I think that we need to we need to make this a little bit more than just a, an annual tradition here. Um, there's just too much strategy for us to go over. Like we need to do this more often. Yeah. We, we got to work it into uh, some contractual obligations here with DLF <laughs> now. And uh, yeah, <laughs> anytime, man, I'm, I'm always happy to come on and, and talk through this. It's uh you know, I will say, you know, before I even, you know, had the opportunity to do a guest spot, man, this is like one of the original podcasts that I, I always made sure was in my feed. And it's the, it's always the the strategy element of this podcast. Um, we, we roster build in a similar way, mm-hmm. which is why I think these conversations work so well. Um, so it, I always appreciate it, man. It's, it's, it's always a good time. It's always hard for us to trade. In uh, in goats versus pros because we do think a lot alike, but we got man, one done though. We got one we, done recently. We got so. one. Yeah, it, that was that was awesome. Uh, and uh, I I think that we both did very well in that trade. So yeah, exactly, uh, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So thanks again for your time. And uh, like I said, we gotta do it again soon. I'll I'll talk to Ryan McDowell and tell him yeah, like make Matt Hicks come on the Super Show more often. <laughs> like tell him. That he has to is a term of employment. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna get a DM, a DM every day from Ryan until I show up again. Yeah. <laughs> Have you done Super That's Show? Right. <laughs> like John uh, won't leave me alone. Come on. <laughs> that it, that would honestly be Ryan McDowell's response to pretty much <laughs> anything. Like, can you get John off my back, please? Just, just do this and get him to shut up. He'll threaten me with some Kentucky <laughs> propaganda, and uh, yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll have to oblige. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. All right, thanks again, brother. Let's wrap it up for the week. And as we do that, I ask you for a quick favor if you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Rate and review the podcast helps me to get out to more listeners, involve more people in the conversation from there i can really zero in on the topics that are the most useful to you my super friends including 2024 rookie picks that's i know that that's something on a lot of people's minds so uh, that's where this this episode came from so 
uh, those rating ratings and reviews really help us to drill down on that stuff. Uh, you can also follow the uh, you can subscribe to the DLF family of podcasts mega feed get access to all the great podcasts from DLF including the super show this episode was dedicated in loving memory to James the brain Catullus. thank you to DLF for the platform thank you to heart and soul radio for the music and above all else thank you for listening and until next week stay sexy and super flexy and